my wife and I, we've kind of coined this um, phrase is that we're going to do everything possible to um, give our kids reason to embrace Jesus Christ as their own. Um, hmm. meaning, say, say it. Wait, say that okay, again. That we, we're going to give them every reason possible that they will embrace Jesus Christ as their Lord, their Savior to okay. follow him. And but yet, I guess in that phrase, it's their decision. Right. On the other hand, we can sure give them such a good push to where they're hearing about Jesus. They are God's word is a part of our family that they're seeing how a Christian responds that that they should see generosity um, because if I want them to be generous people, well, mom and dad get to model that. Everybody, welcome to another edition of Connecting Faith and Life. I'm your host, Mr. Brown. Today, we got another episode with myself and Pastor Travis Osborne. Hope you enjoyed the last one. If you didn't, go to ProclaimingInstitute.com. You can look at our podcast there, or you can find us on any of the podcast outlets, whether Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple, Google, all those places. But the best place to find us, again, is ProclaimingInstitute.com slash app. You can download our app, and you get all the information right there and all the other videos we make as well. But today's episode, we're going to talk about parenting. And we're going to share our experiences, two dudes, two guys talking about parenting and just our experiences as dads and what we want for our kids and even the, the mistakes we've made. We talk about the fact, I think, I think our role as a parent is to love, lead and launch our kids. We want to love our kids we want to lead them in the right direction and launch them bad babies about the crib. Not in a negative way. But we want them to fly and soar. And so we, they can be um, parents one day as well so we can spoil their, their, their babies our grandkids. Anyway, uh, we talk about that. We talk about a lot of things as being parents and even the fact that none of us are, are perfect parents, that there is no perfect parent. We talk about the, how all of us at some point feel inadequate to be parents. But check out this episode. Um, if you're a parent or you want to be a parent, hopefully you get something from it. And if you do, let us know, leave a comment, rate this podcast. And again, I'm not above begging. If you want to help me beg Pastor Travis to come back on future episodes, we only got him for one more. But if you want to bring him back, hey, ask him, tell him he to come back on and we'll have him back on the show. But in the meantime, hope you enjoy this episode of Connecting Faith in Life. We talk about parenting. All right. We've been having a great time with this conversation. We've been uh, about an hour and a half in and we're still going strong. So we thought about what to talk about next. And um Parenting came up, yeah, and two dudes talking about parenting. Yeah, you, you have you have some children. I have three kids. Yep. Um, and you have three kids. I have three kids. Um, I have two girls and one boy. You have two boys and one girl. Correct, correct. And just thinking through, and, and I would say, it, this later part of my life, the biggest concern that's in my mind is just my 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 kids and their spiritual health and how they're doing. And it's really um. I don't know. I feel so powerless in so many ways, although I, we have as parents such an influence on our kids. But I also realize, man, I want to make their spiritual decisions for them <laughs> and I can't. And whenever I try to force that, things don't go well. Right. So let's talk about this idea. First of all, parenting. I do a lot of parenting things with, through the Choose Well program um, with parents. And one of the things I always say is this parent is one of the most toughest jobs out there. It is, if not the most toughest, but it's the most rewarding, too. And 
it's a whole nother level when you you want your kids to obey, you want them to learn, you want them to be successful, you want to them to, you want to love them, you want to lead them, you want to launch them, right? Yeah. Love, lead, and launch. You yeah. want to love them, lead them in the right direction, but launch those bad babies out your house one day, right? That, that's the goal. Is that actually we're raising our kids that they will leave us and yes. maybe cling or cleave to their own spouse, but definitely to to lead and 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 live a life of their own. And so, can. how do we do that in ways that? Help I mean, their spiritual growth, their who they are as people, without being overly controlling. I think some people say Christian parents are too strict, and uh, there's a lot of criticism, a lot of pressure from a lot of different angles about how do I parent my kid. But let me say this: I don't think there's one particular way to parent every kid. There's no step one, step two, step three, because every kid is different. Yes, and that's where it's also hard to look because I compare myself and my kids and my parenting to other kids and other parenting, and you can't do that either hopefully we can learn things from one another but my three kids are unique and individual and um, I look at other pastors and their kids and I sometimes think well I think pastor's kids should be looking like this you know they should be (laughs) but the truth is my kids get to be kids Mm -hmm. and develop that and so my wife and I we've kind of coined this um, phrase is that we're going to do everything possible to um, give our kids reason to embrace Jesus Christ as their own. Um, hmm. meaning, say, say that, wait, say that okay, again. That we, we're going to give them every reason possible that they will embrace Jesus Christ as their Lord, their Savior to okay. follow him. And But yet, I guess in that phrase, it's their decision. Right. On the other hand, we can sure give them such a good push to where they're hearing about Jesus, they are God's word is a part of our family, that they're seeing how a Christian responds, that, that they should see generosity. Um, because if I want them to be generous people, well, mom and dad get to model that. They should see what it looks like when someone asks forgiveness, when they've been out of line, so that they should hear what prayer is like. I don't want them to be out there later on going, well, I, we never prayed it. You yeah, know, I don't yeah. know how to. Now, they may not want to, but at least they don't have that reason to say, but, oh, but we know what it is. You know, right. we, we've seen it. And so... Um, so you want to cultivate in your home, your culture, because every home has a different culture, but you want to cultivate in your culture to give your kids every reason to trust Jesus, to follow Jesus, because of your, your, your modeling it, you're teaching it, and even the idea that you're not perfect, but they see that as well. Um, but you're doing everything you can within your power to give them every reason to trust Jesus. And, and that's our aim, and knowing that they're each having their own journey and walk and wrestling out their own things with God, and that's actually really good. Um, I can't control that because I do that with God myself, and I did that in my life. And my mom and dad, they love Jesus. They came to know or they came to follow Jesus when I was about 11 or 12, I understood and learned about Jesus from the Christian school that they sent me to. So I didn't learn those things about Jesus directly from my mom and dad at home. Um, but I'm so fortunate that we became a church-going Christian family when I was about 12, but it was teachers. It was mm. at my school that I was gaining knowledge of Scripture, so I'm thankful for them. Did you feel that you saw something different at home or just wasn't it wasn't articulated in 
conversation the way it was at school? Well, you know, at school was a, it was a Christian school. My parents, I know that they liked the, um, the structure of it. And my mom and dad have their own journey with God, but I just know that we were not going to church. We would not pray. We did not really open the Bible at all at home. And that was normal for me. And that was okay. Because to me, I'm all, this is something we're doing at school. But when I was about 11 or 12, I started realizing that my mom and dad had a significant experience at um, church when we went back to visit their family. And it was kind of eye-opening that, wow, my mom and dad are turning either to Jesus or maybe they were turning back to Jesus. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, when we came back from that family reunion, it was different. We started going to church on Sundays. We started listening to some Christian pastors on radio you know there was a little bit more discussion and so um and i'm thankful for that and right, now my right. mom my mom is in like four bible i'm not joking four bible studies a week she's got one <laughs> from a couple different churches and one online she's hosting one and so um, but i guess from my wife and i we've aimed to raise our kids you know to teach them about christ it's just as they're teenagers we're also realizing that um i don't get to I can't force my kid to pray right, to God. <laughs> can't force my kid. You will read your Bible right now. Well, my, my experience, I was forced to do some things mm-hmm. in church. Yeah. <laughs> like we were in the choir. We were the, So I grew up when my mom, um, I don't remember. My mom did go to church a little bit with us a little bit, but my grandparents were, my grandfather was a pastor. Grandmother did everything else. She ran the youth group. She ran the cakewalk. She ran the women's department. She did everything. Oh, so yeah. we were always at church. I remember um, being dressed. I was dressed in a skirt um, because I was a Roman soldier in the play for Easter. Right? I remember that because I had to wear this dress. It was <laughs> any, any pictures that will surface? No, later? no pictures oh, will ever surface. Yeah. Thank God we didn't have cell phones back then. <laughs> but um, I was I was brought up in church. I had to go. It wasn't an option. I'm I want to go. No, you were at church every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Saturday. It was part of the culture of the church. However. There was this other side where we listened to secular music, we watched them, we did all the stuff that, and my heart, for the first part of my life, my heart was in the world, but my body was in the church. And so I saw this, this duplicitous life of, hey, you go to church on Sunday, and even it was funny, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, um, that we listened to the radio station, the, the, the local black radio station, I don't know if you call it black radio station, but the radio station, and Monday through Friday, Saturday, it was all hip-hop, R&B, soul, all this stuff, right? Sunday morning at about 6 a.m., gospel music. There you go. Until about 2. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then back to the hip-hop, right? right. And that, that really described my spiritual journey for the first part of my life. It was like, hey, you do this on Sunday, every other day of the week is yours to do what you want to do. Yeah. And then when I, when I turned 13, that's when I trusted Christ. And my eyes start opening to different things. My grandfather, now I would I would say this, my grandparents didn't didn't necessarily live that way. They were, you know, everything. It was church, Jesus, Chris gospel music at home. But you know, what we did with at our house was a little different. So I I felt that that duplicity of of growing up until I became a little older, started having making decisions for myself. So I'm with you. I didn't feel that my grandparents did help us greatly. They created an environment for us to trust Jesus, to follow Jesus. But I was always being pulled by the world. Sure, sure. And then there's those times I noticed in my own life where I really started to, I guess we use words like own my faith Mm -hmm. or really started to read God's word a bit more because I was hungry to learn. And and that's got to come about in each person differently. I know we as parents... um, we we just feel so much pressure and i always think i am not doing a good job there's so much 
um, shame and and condemnation I bring upon myself. Let me ask you: is that is that mostly because of comparison, or just period? You know, um, I think it's both. I think because I also look at other families, and I don't know what's going on. Yeah, you behind don't know. Doors, so we always <laughs> assume it's like Instagram. I could look on it, and go, "This is amazing," um, and so. But then the more and more I, I realize, you know, I think everybody's walking through different things. Um, Plus, I just think as being a pastor and as a leader that um, shouldn't I have it all together? And, and yet, but then I, I <laughs> yes, heard a, yes, you should, Pastor. I, yes, I should. <laughs> I, I heard another pastor, though, tell me, he said, Trev, your kids get to be kids like everybody else. Yeah. Um, and that was really, actually, I felt like a big weight because I just started at the church. And, you know, my one of my sons had, you know, uh, acted out on a, a sports field. And, and, you know, I was just so embarrassed and and this and that, and I was worried because I think word had gotten back to the pastor that I just had gotten hired at. And you brought it, you brought it up. Travis, you're fired because your know. child. Uh... I know, because he, he just, you know, did what all the other kids are doing. And, and I just, I was so, I like, I kind of thought that. I'm like, oh no, like, did they, are they going to let me go? Is this okay? And his words to say, Trav, your kids get to be kids just like everybody else brought such a, a weight off of me and to where we've even told our kids that too because it's weird when your dad's a pastor in, in leadership and while people do look at them differently the truth is though you get to have questions about faith you get to ask those um you and so how can we be of help how can we come alongside right and how can we train i think the earlier we start training them in truth and modeling for them in truth I think one of the biggest things that my wife has really contributed to our kids when it comes to, uh, it's not even it's not even directly about faith, but it's the idea of asking for forgiveness when we're wrong. Yeah. So even as adults, we just something wrong. Hey, Evan, will you forgive me? Yeah. Daddy made a mistake. You didn't do that. Somebody else did. Will you forgive me? I think that humbleness of like, hey, we don't have it together. Because the truth, parents, some of us, we try to be perfect parents, but there are no perfect parents. Yeah. And so I think if you know you're not perfect, they know you're not perfect. Let's just be honest and be real about it. And that's going to go so, so far with them because I think sometimes what happens, is, especially in my experience in the Christian, in the Christian churches, a lot of hypocrisy. Yeah. Like they'll see their parents one way, this way, but they go to church, they become a different person, like yeah. just so happy. And like, just be the same person you are everywhere and just admit that you got flaws. Don't yeah. try to be somebody you're not. Because I think more is caught than what's taught. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they're always watching. Oh, they are. They're catching. And I, and I think I've been impressed more with just even the power of prayer, praying with my kids. Um, but but a lot of times even just praying for them. Yeah. Even sometimes walking down the hall uh, door, you know, and just placing my hand on their, their bedroom door as they're in there sleeping or doing whatever. But knowing that they are constantly in my prayers and praying for them. Right. And God hears those prayers. And and as they become adults and um, near adults that just to, to be connecting and, and keeping that relationship with them to where can they, and I've tried to tell my kids this too, you know, you can ask the tough questions of faith and I don't know that I'll always have those answers. I, I right. don't, there's a few of them that I've actually gone and I have the same questions and here's something I found that has helped me. And there's other ones where I'm going to scratch my head with you. So Let's at least air those out right? Um, because I think there's power in, in being able to. And I think that's important for our, our younger generation, too, is to express when there's something that they doubt or an issue in the Bible um, that they're like, that one's a hard one for me. And I think it's okay that there's place for that. Yeah. And and we're trying to do that. I'll let you know. I mean, this is we get this one time with our kids and, and how it goes. And, and But we're also... 
really reminding ourselves that God is writing his own story with them too. And we want to be a part of what God is doing, but also trusting that even when we're not with them, that um, God is doing his work. As I think about this topic, it's a lot of, we could probably do a couple episodes on this because there's some parents who have kids now who have grown out of the house and now they're living a different lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Parents may beat themselves up. It was their fault. But at the end of the day, kids have to make choices. Um, Everybody's going to make their own choice. Choose this day who you will serve, right? And it's it's a a season. Who I'm going to be, what I choose to do. But what are there some particular things now, if you got kids in your home, Mm that you think let's give them some some things you can do again every kid is different every family is different what are some things the practical things that they can do in their home to help spur on the faith yeah well we've talked about modeling we obviously it's it's that it's hard to tell them to do something that we're not modeling as well and um i think that's so important and the humility um letting them see how a Christian responds. How does a Christian spend their money? We've even been thinking about that. We hope that our kids would, you know, it's always weird that we let them know how much we make and do we let them into those things. But we do show them a bit of, well, you know, we give the first portion of our income. We give that to the Lord, to his work, to the church. We also have some aside that we give to, uh, we've had uh, children that we've sponsored before through agencies or when there's a need coming up and we we try to at least let them know and not as a show but to say hey we're gonna um we're gonna give fifty dollars to you know our friend that's that's going through this um would you want to as well with your money we've actually been doing with our kids this has been tough and and these are questions i have we want them to learn to give the first of their portion to the church or to to god's work sometimes we we wrestled with that and and that's been a little bit tough it's their money they're making and they're right, like wait right. am i and they'll say you know I'm not trying to throw my kids under the bus but they're asking the right questions am i you want me to throw away my you know that 10 percent? i'm just throwing away no you're not throwing it away and yet we want to model this for to you to be generous right yeah too. to be generous but then then my wife and i scratch our heads do we have the right to make them do that or can we at least lead them to where when they're 18 or 19 they move out of course it's their own decision but have we at least set some tracks that um and so we're we're talking we don't have the full answer on that the more we start to try to force that on the other hand if i just if i all i do is make suggestions to my kids (laughs) they're not gonna do oh thanks for that suggestion so is there something where we say hey part of this while you're in our house this is going to be a practice now when you get to move out or you're 18 and you're yeah you get to make some choices you get to make your own but you're still under us so we what we do is we give the first portion of our money to the lord in praise and i think that's honoring to to say hey this is what we do in our home this is how we and I think part of it is we need to help them to, to develop that muscle because you just tell somebody up front, hey, give 10 percent away, whatever it is. No. But if you train them younger, you train them the better. But this is what we do in our home. Even going to church as a family, we go to church on Sundays this is what we do. Once you get older, you can choose to do. But I think sometimes see, we weren't given a lot of choices and some of that built a habit. But now I understand it more. Sometimes it's like if we look at the same way, you don't tell your kids, hey, um, do you want to go to school? Yeah. No, you make them go to school. Why? It's beneficial for them. So some things you kind of, you set up that your kids need to do because they need to learn how beneficial it is. They don't know. I think sometimes we try to give kids too much, uh, too many choices when they don't even understand how to right. make these choices. So I think it's, it's but how you communicate that matters too. Not like, hey, give me that. You got to get that to yeah. church. Nah, let's have a conversation about it. Let's talk about it. Let's help. And I think that's important. Even when it comes to like reading the Bible. And I think a lot of parents may struggle with reading the Bible with their kids because they don't—they feel they don't know the Bible well enough. They can't teach the Bible, so on and so forth. It's not about that. 
It's about making yourself available. Like I'm currently, I'm reading the Bible with both my kids right before we go to bed at night. And this is a new season we're in. I'm not bragging, but it's something new. We haven't always done it. We've done devotionals at the dinner table before. We've done church together, like during the pandemic. So, and I was their kids pastor too. So, I, yeah. you know, it's got, they want dad to teach them, right? Yeah. But this is something new. We're doing individually. Like Evan is six and Sophia is 10. And so I'm reading the children's Bible with, with him, reading the actual Bible with her. We're currently going through Matthew. So she chose a verse, uh, a, a book, like we did the Psalm of the Day for 31 days. And then now she wanted to pick a book that had 28 chapters in it. So Matthew has 28 chapters yeah. in it. As you mentioned in the previous podcast, yeah, we had to read through the genealogy. Oh, She's yeah. like, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, why are all these names, right? And at one point, she didn't, one night, she didn't want to do it. I'm like, no, this is what we're doing. Because she was in a bad mood that, that time, but we're doing it. And we open the Bible, and guess what? Her mood changed. Yeah. And sometimes it's building those habits of things that even though you don't want to do sometimes, they're beneficial for you. And so, and not, and when we read the Bible together, I don't always give her a dissertation. I'm not giving a sermon. I'll ask her, hey, what, what kind of, what you notice? She'll remember a passage that she kind of remembered. Some, day, some nights it's like, oh, nothing. Okay, let's pray. Go to bed. Right. But it's the habit of getting the Word of God and making it a priority in your life. And, and it was funny because I mentioned earlier, I did a devotion about staying connected to the source. Because even me, sometimes... I get I don't stay connected to the source. I kind of do my own thing. It's gonna you know, why am I feeling so angsty? Because you ain't been reading the Bible, you ain't been journaling. You know? mm-hmm. Oh, because I've been disconnected from the source. And so she said that one night. I'm like, okay, great. And I think some of it is planting seeds, but also making yourself available to be to make mistakes. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't have it all. Yeah, exactly. And I think back, it's funny because uh, for every maybe success story I have, there's tons of failures. failures. <laughs> and, and I try to let people know because like, they might think, well, what does it look like at Pastor Trav's house when they read the Bible? I'm sure the kids just all crowd around. <laughs> that is some of the most, the, we've had the craziest breakout protests and different <laughs> things, you know, trying to instigate like, you know, Advent readings and we're going to mm-hmm. do this. At, but yet we still do it and there's laughter. We try to keep things lighthearted. Um, the thing that we've tried to do for our kids, and some kids do it, um, ours never really jumped on it yet, but we try to do journal and reflection. Mm-hmm. And I think it's cool to model it, but it's really hard it's to hard. force your kid to, you will reflect on this right now. <laughs> and, we, and we bought notebooks. And then again, I hear about other families and they're like, oh, you know, my daughter loves to write in her journal and there's not like that's amazing we've tried but we've also worked there's some other things i right. do remember when they were younger we would take advantage of these times where we do kind of story time at the end some of the children's bibles have been fantastic and, right. and like the, they're obviously story driven and there's illustration and so we took advantage of those times in in a good way to read through and i remember i got into a little thing where i'd try to act out we try to act out a couple of stories <laughs> and the one that they always remember was esther and somehow they when when they paraded the women before the king, I, I kind of did this silly, you know, bum, 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 <laughs> and, and they'll always remember it. And it was totally not appropriate, probably for what the scripture said. But I do remember that moment that that'll still come up every once in a while about my story and how we taught Esther. And you, know. I, you make a great point. Let's make it fun. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, and make it engaging. I think sometimes we try to over-entertain sometime in youth ministry. I get that. But why not make it engaging where kids can laugh, kids can have fun? Like, we, we did the same thing, reading the Bible. So we're reading the Bible, reading the Bible um, doing the story of David and Goliath, and the kids were acting it out. And so Sophia was uh, Goliath, and, and uh, 
you know, Evan was was David. And so, no, 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 it was the other way around. David, Sophia was David, Evan was Goliath. And so Evan stood up on the hearth by the fireplace, and Sophia did the thing and hit him, with the, you know, as my wife was reading this. And then, you know, Goliath fell to the ground, Evan fell to the ground, and then she read the part. And then he took out oh, his sword and cut his head his off. Head off. Yeah. And so she, and they both said, huh? Because <laughs> you don't hear that in the children's ministry, no, right? No, no, the children's Bibles don't usually illustrate that. And one. we never forgot that. That was yeah. hilarious because, it, but it was in the context, and they'll never forget that. Oh, yeah. So we've done things like that. We've done memory verse. I have the advantage of being a kid's pastor like I mentioned before. So we do memory verses and let the kids pick the hand motions. Yeah. Um, we do songs sometime on, uh, we find some YouTube songs and they dance to them, whatever. And it's doing different things. It's not just sitting down, open the Bible, but trying to find ways to engage them where they are, especially the age they are too. Yeah. Um, maybe it is you do, maybe you bribe them. Hey, your teenagers, hey, let's, we're going to read this together. And uh, whoever comes up with something gets this. I, yeah. just, uh, do what you got to do. I think it's so important to get them in the habit of getting the word of God. Yeah. Um, but I think just modeling is so important. Yeah, it is. And I noticed even one of my kids particularly, whatever music we had on, we would notice he he hums it later. Mm-hmm. And, and it was kind of cool that we would play praise music a lot when we drive and I'd hear them humming yep. the words later and and you know so to a degree it's not that it's subversive but knowing that he's going to grab onto that it's really important what we select that's going to be oh. you know in into his, his mind we joke because my wife is always good about not I say good we laugh about it but it still works she's usually the one that brings home a movie for us to watch and it's usually one of the ones that are made by an off company you've never heard of but there's a faith based element racial reconciliation we always joke which is good there's movies about all that and so the the joke is that whenever my wife has a movie for us to watch it's some sort of feel good faith based <laughs> reconciliation story and so we tease her about it but you know what it usually starts playing and we usually end up hanging out on the couch and watching it and, and so, honestly i think what's wrong with that yeah i think i think that's great in our home currently we don't listen to much secular music at all i mean our kids barely know only time they heard some music like that is because we went at a family night where I spoke at a public school or something. And I'm not against it, but I think we need to evaluate what we listen to in our homes. I remember a friend of mine posted on Facebook. She says, um, she says it's interesting when you get in the car and your daughter, start, your four-year-old starts singing, um, sticks and stones may break my bones, but whips and chains excite oh. me. Oh, no. Yeah. And then she said, oh, hello, K-Love. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> and although her four-year-old may not know what that means yet, yeah. but you're planting seeds at a young age. So yeah. I, I, we try to create an environment to where praise music, we have Christian rap music, we do. And my, Evan is a, is a music head. He loves yeah. music. Like, we were driving home last night. We played some Danny Goke. We love God and love people. He knows every lyric to the song. Yeah. What better than to, to, to plant that seed of, of truth in their hearts? Mm-hmm. I heard one preacher say, you know, he doesn't listen to secular music because he doesn't have time to listen to his pagans babble on about nothing. And I'm like, man, that's deep. And I'm not saying, like, I can't, I can't slow dance to my wife to how great thou art. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm, a little bit I'm, difficult. Right, right. But we need to evaluate and be more conscious about what we allow into our homes. Yeah. Whether it's movies, whether it's video games, whether it's, we need to be protect. We, our job is to protect them from yeah. what they don't know, even their cell phones. Yeah. I mean, as we give our kids cell phones, we need to be, do you know how much porn's on cell phones? How much, yeah. and even the distraction, and even the fact that us adults don't handle it very well, yeah. we give it to our little kid and expect them to navigate it. It's, I think we need to do better as parents to be those protectors. We need to lead them in making better choices. Sometimes that means saying no to some things, yeah. even though everybody else may be doing it. And that's the thing we've heard quite a bit is because we have limits on our, our kids, even as they were teenagers we, before they could get onto certain social media sites. And, and we have... Um, uh, time limits and and of course they've 
usually pushed against it. Although I'll tell you, one of our kids later started even getting off of social media. Yes. They've been self-regulating. But and and of course the argument comes up. We're the I'm the only one. You know, none of my other friends. This not, and I actually know for a fact they're not the only one that has some sort of restrictions. <laughs> and we're giving you something so powerful and yes. it would be irresponsible to give it to you without any guidelines or trying to help train you in certain things. And so that's just become a part of it. Or um, it's funny because even still as a, as a older teenager, we've even worried once they go away to college and we still have their time limits, we're like, well, we need to start letting them go on that. But we try to say, hey, would you like to set some on your own phone yes. and whatnot? But we've uh, modeled that and there's been a lot of colorful discussions with our kids too, but they've also kind of come in to accept that, that, hey, this is what mom and dad are doing. When, when, when I get older, I can do my own thing, but hopefully we're setting some good um, guardrails. A bit for That's them. a great word, Guard, guardrails and boundaries. Mm-hmm. We need to have boundaries for our kids. I mean, there's so much these cell phones can do. And it gives them access to where I was talking to a friend a while back, and I said, hey, would you let your 14-year-old daughter go to a college campus and hang out in, at a frat house? He's like, no. I said, that's what you're doing when you give them a cell phone. Sure. For the most part. I mean, you're letting them hang out with people they don't know, access to stuff, they, they, and their friends are sending them stuff. I mean, I've talked to teen, eighth graders sending each other porn all day yeah. long. This is a tough – our kids are growing up. I thought it was tough for me growing up. And so it gives me more of a heart of compassion for like um, even just the the missing out and the social anxiety and the different things that's that's nonstop because they can see, you know, where their friends are at and what they're not included in. And and it is a it just gives me more compassion for this is not. Yeah, it's not easy. And we as parents have to help them navigate that. And but giving them a cell phone just to fit in is not always the best. And I think putting and knowing your kid, how mature is I knew a family. The older son didn't get a cell phone. The younger, the second daughter got one before he did because of responsibility, because of who they were as people and what they did, how they showed themselves responsible other over other things. And so she got one before he did. And then when he got one, he got a flip phone. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> punk rock. I love it. It's punk rock because everybody else has a smartphone. But man, you're punk rock with that. No, and I think, that, and that's hard for parents because we don't. I think I, I, I'll get this. We don't sometimes want to see our kids struggle. Yeah. But we need to. Like yeah. the other day, I was taking Sophia to youth group, and we got there, and they had canceled it. They had moved to somewhere else. They moved to Chuck E. Cheese, and we didn't have plans to take her Chuck E. Cheese. We, that wasn't part of our plan. So we, we said, "No, we're not going to go." And she was so disappointed. And I was like, "Man, I feel so bad. I want her to." I, I want my daughter. I don't want my daughter feeling yeah. pain, but you know yeah. what? I had to let her go through the pain, yeah. and she bounced out pretty pretty quickly. Yeah. She was disappointed, but if they never learn how to be disappointed, how to overcome disappointment, all those different things, then they won't grow. They won't build that muscle that they need to build. As parents, we want to come in and solve everything for them. We got to step back and say, you know what? This is a chance for them to learn and to grow in these areas, and that principle can be in a lot of different areas. But we need to be there for them as parents. Yeah, yeah, and lots of prayer, and it's just good to get together with other parents too because I find um, commonality mm-hmm. to know, not that we dish on our kids. And don't do that. Yeah, like when parents get that, please oh, don't no. tell our kids business because no. oh, that, that, is, that is like some of the worst betrayal. What if they yeah. went and told all their friends all the stuff or yeah. their parents all stuff going in the house? You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, I know. Exactly. <laughs> it is good though to know that when you've got others that are supporting you and you know they're wrestling with their own right, kids right. and their stories, it, there, there is something comforting to know. And that's what I try to at least do as a pastor is let people know we do not have it all together. Hopefully we can give you some help 
helpful principles, but there are certain things that you're doing way better than we're doing at, but we're all just trying to come along and, and trusting that God is is watching over and drawing our kids to himself. And I, I want to clarify that. I think it's okay, like, if me and you talk about our kids in confidence and yeah. help each sure. other, but when you meet with a whole group of parents, you tell all their business, and then it gets back out, and gets yeah. back, that that yeah. can be hard, hurtful. Yeah, that's hard. But I think it's great as parents to be able to chat with each other in confidence and say, hey, this is what's going on, and maybe you don't even mention the kid. Maybe they'll figure it out, but yeah. if you only got one kid, they'll figure it out. But yeah. I think it's important to try to keep some of that confidence, but also try to get some help. And how do you feel about this, even going to counselors? Uh, oh, you know? yeah. oh, we do. And, and I'll tell you, we've each been, my wife and I have been to a marriage counselor before in certain times, and we've even offered and encouraged that we we think therapy and help, we, we yeah. look for faith-based as, as best we can, but um, we're totally for it. I, I think it's worth it, especially in difficult situations, too, to say we just need some outside help here. Well, I guess if we had to wrap it up, we talked about a lot of stuff, but I would just go back to we need to love our kids, launch, lead our kids, and launch our kids. And yeah. I think love isn't always giving them what they need, what they want, giving them what they need. Launch, leading them is helping them set those boundaries and let them lead them in the right path. And then one day launching them where they can be productive members of society and have their own kids that you get to spoil. Yeah, amen. Good, <laughs> good word. That's right. Good word. Was that good conversation, y'all? I had fun in the conversation. Hopefully you did too. If you want to hear more, make sure you subscribe. Um, and we got one more episode of me and Pastor Travis so far. Hopefully we got some more. But even if Pastor Travis doesn't come back, I know I've been selling Pastor Travis, but uh, come back to hear me and more stuff about connecting faith and life because that's what we want to do. So thanks for joining us. And uh, please like, subscribe, share. If you're watching this on YouTube or you listen to it, give us a rating so more people can find this episode of Connecting Faith and Life with me, Mr. Brown. Peace.